And today we're going to share a little bit with you guys about the vision of Numa Church and uh, how we're going to get there and one of the things that God is going to do. And uh, as I was preparing for this message, uh, one of the things I've been, you know, just every week, you know, week after week after week as I'm preparing, I can't believe we're coming already to the end of 2019. 2019, literally, okay, there's two months left and this year is over. All right, but not only is a year over, check this out, what I'm going to tell you, a decade is over. The decade, okay, the decade from 2010 to 2020 or 2019, it's done, okay? Our heat-winning championship years, all right? Uh, They're in the back burner right now with LeBron and all that, okay? And we're entering a new decade. And for me, it's so important what we're going to share this morning because for me, it's so important how we finish things, okay? How we finish things is so important. You see, I've seen a lot of people start during my years serving God, you know, and start a fired up and do this and do that and do all these things. But finishing is another story. Finishing, you need perseverance. Uh, finishing, you need to have a clear vision. Finishing, you need to, I mean, you got to sometimes drag yourself to get to the finish line. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here today that you've got to finish some things in your life that have not been easy. You've had to go through different struggles, but when you get to that finish line, boy, doesn't that feel good. When you get to the end, you know, of your struggle and you're finally there and you feel, you know what, I did it. It's amazing. Now, finishing is important and starting is important. Starting is important. How we start The next, listen to this, not the next year, the next decade, okay? We're going to start a new decade. That is so important as well. Actually, when you look at races, okay, the Olympics are coming up pretty soon. Now, I I don't know about you guys, but I love when it's Olympic season. You know what I'm saying? I'll watch sports that I've never even watched in my life, you know? I'll watch, you know, the guys, you know, on horseback, you know, doing hurdles and stuff like that. I'm like, I've never seen that in my, but in the Olympics, you better believe I want to win. You know, and I'm going for my country and I'm going for the U.S., all right? And in racing in the Olympics, some of the things that to me is so amazing is that if you don't start off well, you could hurt your whole team. The person that starts off the race is so important. And if you have a false start, what happens? You get disqualified. If you have a false start, you get disqualified from the race, no matter how much, listen to this, no matter how much you trained, no how much you prepared for, no matter how good you ate, no matter how many months of practice, one false start and everything is done. Isn't that how life is? Sometimes we just get one shot. Sometimes we only get one opportunity. Sometimes we get just one moment. And in that moment, man, you, we better do what we're called to do. In that moment, we better be ready. There's a story in the Bible that I love. You know, there, there's this, this king and the, and the prophet tells him, you got to strike the ground with a spear. And the guy starts striking the ground. And he goes, as you strike the ground, God will give you victory. He starts striking the ground. But at a moment, he stops. And the prophet turns around and tells him, if you would have kept going, God would have given you victory for all these years. But because you stopped... You're only going to get victory for a short amount of time. Sometimes we're in a moment. We got to take advantage of that moment. Sometimes when we're starting something, we got to make sure that we start off the right way. Now, when we're talking about 2020, okay, we're talking about the year 2020. That's the year that we're going into. 
Okay, I graduated in 95 from high school, all right? Graduated from college in 2001, all right? Yeah, you could whistle, boy. I'm like, I just think about it and I got a little tired, man. I need some water or something. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Listen, when I was a kid growing up, growing, you know, graduating from 95, I remember I was in the 80s, and 95 looked so far away. And then I would see, oh my God, the 2000s. When we get to 2000, 2000 is going to be so far away. And I remember we were about to get to 2000. I don't know if you guys remember that whole Y2K thing that everything was going to come crashing down and everything like that. And here we are, you know, like nothing happened. And then we were going to start a new decade, 2010, 2011. And then I remember that people were saying in 2012, the world's coming to an end. Oh, there's some Incan, you know, calendars and the Mayans and all this, you know, and everything's coming to 2012. I'm glad it didn't end in 2012 because we won the championship that year. You know, I didn't want that season to be cut short. You know, we're still here. Now we're going into 2020. And that's like the date from the movie of Back to the Future that the guy put in the car, I think, or something like that. We're all the way, okay, going into 2020. When I hear the word 2020, you know what comes to my mind? 2020 vision. 2020 vision. It's not, it's not coincidence that we're going into the year 2020. Today we're going to talk about what our vision is. Okay, 2020. What, it, what, what do they say about having 2020 vision? What is 2020 vision? Perfect vision. 2020 vision is what, guys? How many of you guys here have 2020 vision? Raise your hand. Oh, man, you guys got to pray for me, man. That's like, you know that I did a study, all right, this week as I was preparing for this message on, on you know, what 2020 vision is and, and how the doctors, you know, say that we have 2020. What do they measure? They measure three things to say that we have 2020 vision. First, visual uh, acuity, okay, visual acuity, which means, okay, you know that chart, okay, that has the letters or the numbers in black and it's on a white background, all right, and you're like, you got to stand at 20 feet away, okay, or further, that's the, the way that they measure that, okay, so, so, number one, what they're, they're measuring, okay, is how's that vision, from that point, okay, uh, is it is it accurate? Number two, eyesight, okay, they're measuring your eyesight, and when I'm talking about eyesight, it's the range of your sight, okay, how far can you see? How far can you see? Because there's some people that can see things up close, but you can have an airplane over there, and you don't even see that airplane, you know what I'm saying? And the third thing that they, they measure, okay, visual acuity, eyesight, and the third is vision, Okay, now, uh, I, I don't want to overlap this, but vision talks about contrast sensitivity, tracking moving objects, depth perception, and color vision. So when a doctor is measuring somebody's vision, they're taking all these three things into account. Can you see what is over there written? How far is your sight? And if things are moving, can you still focus and see the color and see the depth perception? If we're talking about 2020 vision, guys, let me tell you something. We need all these things to get ready as we go into this new decade. We need to see the things that are standing right in front of us. We need to see some of the things that are moving and we don't see so clear. We need to focus on that. 
And then at the same time, we need to see how far is it away? How, how, how the depth? Okay. What's the range? Do I see it clearly? So today, I want to share with you guys, all right, and all those that are watching online, I want to share with you guys, okay, with our vision here at Numa Church for 2020 and beyond. Okay, I stand up here this Sunday, okay, and I'm super excited. This that I'm going to share with you is something that I've been working on literally uh, for a few months now, okay, and I want everybody here at Numa to have 2020 vision. 2020 vision. Do you think we could do that? Can we have 2020 vision? So the title of my message today is first. Very easy. First. First. All right. And there's three questions that I want to bring to our attention this morning. Okay. Number one, where are we going as a church? Where's Numa Church headed? I think it's important for each of you guys that are investing time in coming to this church that are investing time in bringing your family, that are investing time in going to growth track, that are investing time in serving in different teams, that are investing even resources in going, for example, to a women's conference or a men's conference. I think that is so important that you guys know where we're going as a church and what direction are we headed, okay? Number two, I'm going to answer today, how are we going to get there? Okay, because a lot of people know, hey, we're going to go over there, but we have no clue how we're going to get there. You know what I'm saying? Today, I'm going to tell you how we're going to get there. But first, okay, I want to talk to you guys about, okay, how we got here. How we got to where we are today. We got to talk about where we're coming from. You see, we got to talk a little bit about, about history, okay, because we are coming from the most incredible journey that you guys could imagine. It's been an amazing journey. And personally, my wife and I, we're here see, uh, here with you guys today. It's been an amazing journey. In 2009, okay, things were set in motion, all right, for us to be transitioned into becoming the senior pastors here. Officially, that happened in January 16, 2011. It's been eight years since we've been pastoring this church. And what I found out, okay, as I've been pastoring the church Okay, is that being the lead pastor, it's not as easy as I thought. Okay, I thought I was preparing some great messages and coming up here and sharing what God is showing and, you know, having a good prayer time and being anointed and all these things. And don't get me wrong, it takes all of that. Okay, but there's a lot more, okay, than preaching and teaching and having meetings and talking to people and visiting homes and doing all these things. There was a business side to handling the church. And I went to Bible school, okay? I graduated from college in 2001. I'm still paying student loans. My young people that are here, be careful with those things. 18 years later, still paying student loans. All right? That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) That's like Forrest Gump, you know? And they never told me in all the years that I spend and all the money that I invested into that, they never told me that if I ever would become the pastor of a church, that there was a business side to the church, that you had to handle finances that were coming in. And Lord, you know, if we ever had a building or doing this or doing that, then you would have to pay a mortgage and you have to pay utility bills and you got to buy chairs and you got to do all these things. They don't prepare you for that. They tell you how to get a good revelation from the book of John. 
how to read the book of Psalms, you know, what did David meant, you know, uh, when Paul was shipwrecked, you know, on his way to Rome. Hey, listen, that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm about to get shipwrecked here if you don't tell me what to do. You know, and uh, we inherited a church with a lot of reputation in the city uh, for some good things and some for not so good things. <laughs> you know, it's like, but everybody knew who we were, all right? And God had moved in great glory in this place. But there were a lot of flaws at the core. And we needed to set a culture in place, a culture that resembled what the culture of heaven is like. We needed to work in organizational leadership from bylaws to personnel procedure. And as I'm talking about this, it's like kind of crazy. Listen, we, we, we needed a financial makeover in this place. Uh, it took me three years, three years to get a grip of what I was doing. Three years to figure out how this whole thing uh, was running. Three years to finally start making uh, decisions and, and getting this in, in, in the right direction. And I really believe that there was a turning point. Because I believe that there's a turning point in each of our lives. Sometimes it's a conversation with somebody. Maybe it's even a moment of prayer. Maybe it's even a quote that you might read on an Instagram. But there's a moment that comes a turning point. And that turning point for me was a conversation with, with Pastor Kirk Nari and we, we met about ISIS and we met about Iraq and, and I had all these things in, in, in my head and I didn't know what was going to come out of that conversation. But he asked me three questions when we came to the end of that conversation. And, and, and I want to say something. When he asked me these three questions, we were about 120K in the negative, all right? So is that that we were doing good? Everything that came in on Sundays was literally going into a hole that we were trying to cover, and that hole would never get covered. It was like, you know, like an endless abyss, you know what I'm saying? And, and Kirk asked me three questions. He goes, number one, I want to ask you, are you sure that you are called by God to pastor that church? Because sometimes you need to ask yourself some questions. Sometimes asking questions is not a problem. Actually, we need to stop sometimes in life and ask us some questions that sometimes we don't even want to face. Are you called to pastor that church? Then number two, he asked me, does Miami need this church? And thirdly, he goes, do the people follow you as his pastor? Are they struggling with that? And I answered, Yes, to all three. I believe that I am called to pastor this church. I believe that the city needs this church. And uh, I believe the people do follow me as this leader. You know, we'll find out as we go, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and from that talk, this amazing thing called PEC, for this cause, was birthed. For this cause was a financial campaign that we did. And some of you guys came a little bit after that, you know. So I'm letting you guys know a little bit of the history, how we got here. It was a financial campaign of a thousand days where people would commit to give above their tithes to get this church financially healthy. And we had commitment events, leadership commitment, church commitment event. One year celebration, second year celebration. And, and there was about $1.2 million that were pledged that, that, that the people were going to give. And in three years, we collected about $800,000. 
And like you saw last week when Pastor Larry was here, about half a million dollars was applied just to the principle of the loan of this building. And, and like I said last week, we, we had a, a thank you dinner for those people that committed and, and, and not only committed but finished their commitment. But I want to tell you something this morning. For this cause was not impossible. For this cause was not impossible, but it was uncomfortable. And sometimes God, church, will ask us to do some uncomfortable things. Has God ever asked you to do something uncomfortable? Has God ever, like, maybe told you, I need you to go and talk to that person over there? And you're like, oh, I ain't talking to that guy. That's kind of weird. He's been, like, looking at me and stuff. And God says, I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to tell that person how much I love him. I want you to give that person a hug. And you're like, Lord, you know, keep it... Sometimes God will ask you to do uncomfortable things. Sometimes God will tell you, hey, in today's offering, I want, to, I want you to give this much. I'm like, Lord, I rebuke the devil's been talking to me at church. How am I going to pay the rent if I give that? God will ask us to do things that are what? Say with me, uncomfortable. Can you say that? Uncomfortable. We chose uncomfortable. As a church family, we chose uncomfortable to get to where we're at today. Okay? We chose uncomfortable. And why did we choose uncomfortable? I'm going to tell you something. Not to make Numa the most flashy church in the city, but I want Numa to be one of the most effective churches in the city. Effective. That is going after its purpose. That is doing what it needs to do. I'm going to tell you something that is effective. I was sharing with the team yesterday morning, last week between both services, we had 20 reported visits through the little connection cards and, you know, people that go through the welcome room and all these things that we have, different measuring sticks and everything else. 20 reported visits. Out of 20 reported visits, we had 18 reported people that gave their life to Jesus last week in Numa Church between both services. 18 people that their lives were completely transformed that day. That's crazy. So the question that still hangs over my head till today, church, I got to tell you, out of those three questions that Pastor Kirk asked me, there's still one that looms over me. And it's not the one if I'm called to pastor the church. I think I know that. And it's not if the people are going to follow me. I think I got an answer for that. The one that still looms over my head is the question, does Miami need Numa Church? What do you guys think? You think Miami needs Numa Church? You think Miami needs this family, this congregation, what God wants to do through us? How many of you guys think that Miami needs Numa Church? You guys think that? Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Come on. Let's do it. Now, that brings me to the second question. Where are we going as a church? Where is Numa Church headed? Well, my wife and I recently got back from a one-month, okay, time of just, you know what, we're going to relax, we're going to pray, we're going to seek God, we're going to take this sabbatical time just to see what God is showing us and what he wants to do. And, and, and just in the middle of all that, you know, also rest from our day-to-day -day activity. That was in August. And one of the things that I did during that time was to gather every prophetic word that had been spoken over this church since I've been coming here. I mean, I have books of words that God has, you know, things that I've journaled down and stuff like that. Things that God has shown me in prayer about this church. 
things that have been spoken over my life, over my wife, things that are essential to the church of Jesus here on earth today to accomplish this mission. And, and, and I put all those things together into an article, an article called Numa Church as I see it. Numa Church as I see it. And I don't know, Luis, we have back there the, 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 I sent Pastor Adrian a, a slide of this point. But Numa Church as I see it, today as you guys leave, okay, you are all going to get this. This is something that we prepared for you guys. It's a poster. And all you guys are going to see these 23 articles that we have in this poster. And it says, Numa Church, I see a church where the lost know God, where the presence of God is real, where many are formed into disciples of Jesus, where many people discover their purpose and make a difference, with a training center that equips the body of Christ, with a heart for the lost and the hurting, with a 24-hour nonstop prayer and worship that will be a place of end-time revival that is multi-general and multicultural that raises unshakable, God-fearing young people. Any young people in this place today? Young people? Hey, man, put your hand down. I got a couple of people putting their hand up, all right? With an academically solid school, with a university raising next-generational true leaders and world changers, with a beautiful multi-purpose sports complex called the G2G Center, with a worship center that accommodates several thousands to get trained, that shines like a lighthouse all over the world with different campuses in our city, with a strong relationship with the nation of Israel and the different nations of the Middle East, with abundant financial resources, oh and this is big, and debt free, that is among the most generous church in our nation, with a resource distribution center where its leaders do the work Christ commanded and finish well, that partner and collaborate with other churches and organizations, that places no limits to what God can really do or accomplish here on earth. That is the church that I see. That's the church that I see. This is where we're going. This is what's happening. And as you hear this today, okay, I want to tell you something, church. You know, you might say, man, I want to be part of a church like that. I want to be part of a church like that. Yesterday I was sharing a little bit with leadership and I was telling, a, I was telling them, you know what, our church is a little different. Because there's churches all over the city. I'm the vice president of the Hispanic Pastors Association. I know a lot of churches in this city. And there's some churches that the people will just be happy to go there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and hear the pastor preach, you know, a great message from the word. But they just go home and the months go by and the years go by and they're just there. I have no problem with a community church like that. But God has not called Numa to that. Numa is a church that God wants to use to be a lighthouse in the midst of the darkness. Numa's not a comfortable church. As a leader, I'm not going to make you comfortable. I'm not here to make you comfortable. Actually, I'm here to make you uncomfortable. Because if I make you uncomfortable, that means I'm pushing you to reach the potential and the purpose that God has for you. If we're going to make this comfortable, guys, you know what? Then God could just rapture us now and we go to heaven and we just all relax. But you know what? There's a work to do here on earth. And the church needs to be the church. 
And I'm not going to stand by and just cross my arms and say, you know what, boy, those were a great 40 years of my life, wasn't it? I'm investing the best years of my life to believe in you guys, to believe in people, to encourage people so that we go and get after the things that God is calling us to do. You guys listening to what I'm telling you this morning? So if you're part of Numa Church, get ready to be shaken. Get ready to have your feathers ruffled a little bit, to be feeling a little bit uncomfortable. It's all fine. It's all good. It's all part of growth. My son, the other day, we were driving, and we were looking at these big nests that are on top of the light poles when you're driving down from 127 from the south coming north. And there's these huge nests. And they were asking me, what, what, what's up there? And I'm like, I think eggs. You know, it's like, what kind of birds? I'm like, maybe eagles. You know, I don't know what kind of bird it is, you know, but I'm like, maybe there's eagles up there, you know. And you know what I told them? I told them, you know that once the eagle hatches and hangs around for a little bit, the mother will bring the food, bring the food, bring the food. But the day will come when the mother will start breaking the nest. They were like looking at me like, what are you talking? And there'll come the time where the mother not only will break the nest, she will push them off the nest. And you imagine that little eaglet saying, okay, this mom has taken care of me, has fed me, has given me birth. And all of a sudden, ah, you better fly, boy. Just start <laughs> flapping them wings. You got feathers. You're built to fly. Have you ever seen a bird going to flying school? Have you ever seen a fish going to swimming school? Why? Because it's in them. They were born to do that. How come that we're the only ones that were made in God's likeness and image and we're still trying to figure out what we're doing here? It's in you. It's in you. Those things that make you uncomfortable, those things that get you mad, it's a little sign of what you were born to do. Those things that get you mad, oh, man, I wish they would do something. Hello? I think you might be the answer to that problem. Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Because they don't see it, but you do. Uh, Habakkuk 2.2 is a famous verse on vision. Habakkuk 2.2 and 3. By the way, at the end of the service, we're going to give you guys these posters and you can take these home with you. And the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but it speaks of the end and it does not lie. If it delays, wait for it, for it shall surely come and it will not delay. Oh, hold on a second. Is it going to delay or is it not going to delay? You know what? Just write it up. If it's quick, you have it written down. And if it takes long, you know where you're going. You can see it. You know what you're working towards. As a pastor, one of the greatest gifts that I could give this church is the gift of clarity. That you guys are clear and know where you're going and know what's happening. So that brings me to the third question that I said we would answer today. How do we get there? Pastor, this sounds fantastic. Wow. I, I, I would like to be involved in this or in that. And like I said, some of these things we're already doing at a smaller scale. We're not doing full-blown, you know, monthly missions trips that I want to see taking place. 
But we're doing some things at a, at a small scale. We're doing our monthly missions, outings, and stuff like that. But how do we get there to this beautiful vision? Say with me, first. Can you say that with me? First. Everybody, first. Say with me, first. Okay, what is first? Well, first is a stewardship focus that I want to present to you today. First is a stewardship focus that I want to present to you today. And if we want to be the kind of church that makes a difference in this world, we need to make God, what's the word? What is it? We need to make God? If we're going to make a difference, we need to make God first. There's no way of making a difference in this world if sometimes in your chart, God drops to like four or five and is competing like with the dolphins. Well, no, with the dolphins, you're not going to compete with the dolphins. You know, but um, you know what I'm saying? Competing with sleeping on Sunday mornings and I don't want to give my tithes and, uh, you know, I'm leaving to Disney World this weekend and the week after that I'm going to Pennsylvania and the week after that I'm going to California and the week after that I'm going to Texas. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. For one whole year, 12 months, 2020, okay? And I'm not waiting to January, all right? I'm going to get a, a head start on this, all right? For a whole year, we're going to make a commitment to godly stewardship in our lives. And my prayer is that it's not only 12 months, is that it becomes our way of living. Pastor, what do you mean about stewardship? Stewardship in every area. Stewardship in every area of our lives. Stewardship in our personal area. Over our bodies. Hello. <laughs> All right. When I was in that sabbatical, I was in New York, and there was a, a scale in the bathroom. I've been running away from scales. All right. I see a scale. I go, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Because I know what that scale is going to tell me. But that day I was in the bathroom. I look at that scale. I'm like, oh, you don't look that tough to me, man. I'm going to step on you. And I step on that scale, and boy, what it told me, I started rebuking. I looked at it. You know what it said? 250. I was like, what? I'm like, that thing's broken. <laughs> I was like, Pastor Santis, I was like, hey, tu pesa está dañada. You need to get a new one, man. That thing is 250. I've never been in 250 in my life. But when you don't have good stewardship, even over your body, man, you eat at 12 o'clock at night. You know, you know the thing. You're watching a movie, 8 o'clock. You open the fridge. There's nothing. Then you go back at 9 o'clock, you put pause, you open, there's nothing. By 12 o'clock, man, you're cooking un bistec, un pan, and all these things. I'm like, I'm taking care of that problem. And I'm like, I got to do something about that. So you know what I did? I came back from that sabbatical. I've been hitting the gym every week, at least four times a week. I'm like, I need to do something about this. So I'm not kind of come up here, you know, and talk to you guys. Hey, we need to be good stewards not taking care of myself. So you know what? Last week I saw another of those devices on the floor. I was in New Orleans and I look at that device. I'm like, I know you. You look different, but you're the same. So I'm like, hmm, I don't know if to step on you or not, man. As I go over there, I'm like, I'm going to step on this thing. And I stood on it and it was more friendly than the one that I had seen in New York, man. It said 236. I've dropped 14 pounds since August till now. Because I'm not going to come up here and tell you something. Come on now, give it up for the pastor this morning. We always give it up for Jesus. Give it up for the pastor one time. All right. <laughs> it's 
stewardship over your body, stewardship over your decisions. Worship team can start coming up. Stewardship over the decisions that we make. Sometimes we make bad stewardship decisions. And then we're like in a jam, we're in a mess. Listen, guys, stewardship over our money. Stewardship over our money. Listen, actually, financial stewardship is going to be a key during these 12 months of first. There's a scripture in the Bible that Jesus gives talents to different people. And the Lord says, if you were faithful in the little, I will put you in the much. Listen, what you and I call the much, with us the financial, Jesus called the little. You and I are worrying about finances. Oh my God. Oh, and Jesus, oh no, that's a small thing. If you're faithful with that, I'll give you people. That's the important thing. People is the important thing. Financial stewardship is going to be a key because that talks about what place he has in our heart. Is he first? Is he first? I want to close this morning by giving you a personal example from something that happened the other day. The, uh, the month of September was the birthday of both my boys. Both my boys, their birthdays in September, okay? And both of them, you know, some people gave them money for their birthday, you know? And uh, my son, David, he had a goal. He wanted to buy this Nintendo Switch, you know, what's the name? The Mini or that small one? Yeah? It's lights. And he wanted to buy that. And he had a goal in mind. He goes, Daddy, when they give me birthday money, can, can I buy that? I'm like, well, you know, if, if, if you accumulate that money, it's $200. And uh, his birthday comes, and they give him money. They give him money. They gave him $170. He's all excited. He's like, Daddy, I'm only like $30 away from this. So I sit down with him, like, son, how much is the tithe from that 170? And he just opens his eyes like this. <laughs> He's like, tithe? I'm like, that's right. You got to give 10% to the Lord from that. He goes, how much is it? I'm like, 17. And I go, but there's no $17 bills. There's only $20 bills. So you know what you're going to do? You're going to take $20 from the money that they gave you. 17 is your tithe, and three is going to be your offering. And you're going to take that on Sunday to church. Then his next comment, but daddy, if I do that, I'm not going to have enough. How many have used that? I'm not going to have enough for the rent. I'm not going to have enough for the utilities. I'm not going to have enough for the car payment. I'm not going to have enough for the vacation. Daddy, I'm not going to have enough for my switch. And I told him, don't worry, puppy. Get right with God. He'll take care of the rest. And the Sunday came by. I'm standing up here. I'm going over time, but I got to finish the story. It's a good one. I'm standing up here, and I'm saying, church, you know, bow your heads, and whoever wants to receive the Lord. And after, I'm like, church, let's take our offerings. You know, you have envelopes right there. So I'm looking over here by the corner of my eye, and my son's sitting there. And I'm like, let me see if he takes out that $20 bill. So I'm talking to you guys, but I'm looking over here, you know. Like, let me see if he takes out that $20. I see him reaching into his pocket. And I see, is it 20 or is it one that he's putting in there? You know, I'm like paying attention. He gets the 20, slips it in into the envelope. I'm like, all right. So he goes home. 
And Monday comes around. He goes, Daddy, one whole day has passed. And I gave my tithe. And I haven't gotten anything back. You said the Lord would give me back if I would give to Him. What's happening? I'm like, Papi, man, that's like putting a seed on the ground, man. You gotta, the next day you're not gonna have a mango tree or something like that. You gotta put that thing, you gotta water it, you gotta fertilize it. Now you pray over your seed, you ask God to use it. Don't worry about what you're gonna get. You know, but I'm not gonna get my thing. I'm like, just relax. And I was thinking the way that we get. And I imagine how God looks down at us. So next Sunday comes around and Tita had a, a birthday card for both my kids because she, uh, forgot to send the gift or whatever. And she gives him the birthday card. And when he opens it up, $20. And he comes after the service. He's like, Daddy, the Lord returned my $20. He gave me my $20 back. I'm like, Papi, that's awesome. He goes, no. I'm like, what do you mean no? He goes, I still need $30 to buy my Switch. I'm like, well, you're closer now than you were before. I mean, the Lord gave you back what you gave him. I just, you see what I'm telling you this morning? And my wife and I had talked, and we were saying, you know what? Once he gives that tithe and offering, whatever else he needs, I'm going to make it up. I'll, I'll fill it in. But I just want to see for a little while where this thing is going to go and what is going on in his heart. Because as his dad, I want to teach him. I want to teach him. So that week went by, and his birthday was coming up. His real birthday was on Saturday. And on Friday, I went, and I bought him the thing. And on Saturday morning, he had the thing, and he goes, what happened? I'm like, you were faithful to God. And you know what? God took care of it. He used me to take care of what you were lacking, but he took care of it. Now, my other son, Jeremy, his birthday was also in September, and he wanted to get a basketball jersey. And we were in Orlando, and he wanted the jersey of this player, and we were going to go to New Orleans. And in New Orleans, they just got this player called Zion Williamson. He's like the number one pick, amazing player. He's going to be, you know, world class. And I told him, Jeremy, when we go to New Orleans, we're going to get you that jersey. Because I was taking him to New Orleans with me. So we go to New Orleans. We go to the stadium. And we go to where they sell the jerseys. And they have the jersey perfect size for him. And I get it. And I had taken money from his birthday money. I had taken money. To get him the thing. When I look, 70 bucks for the jersey. I'm like, boy, this thing is like, I'm like, all right, we're going to get the $70 jersey for him. And when I'm paying and the guy's in the register, Jeremy goes, daddy, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'm like, what happened, JJ? He goes, I don't want it. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want it? He goes, I don't want it. He goes, I don't want to spend your money on that. He goes, I'd rather we do something else. And I go, what, JJ? He goes, I want to get a shirt with a number in the back because I want to give my brother another gift because his birthday was also in September. So he gave up what was his so that he could share. And he got himself a shirt that was $20 with a number in the back. And he got David this amazing James Harden shirt with the number and everything. David's shirt was twice as much as his. But he goes, that's what I want, Daddy. You know what that made me feel like as his, as his father? Like, wow. He just gave up what was his 
to bless his brother. And you know that's what God asks of us. He goes, you know what? You take of what I've given you so that you can use that to bless others. I told JJ, JJ, you got my heart, man. Whatever you want after today, bro. Hey, you want to go? There was a Dave and Buster's the, uh, around the block from the hotel. We were saying, want to go to Dave and Buster's? Yeah, papi, let's go, man. I'm taking care of this. What do you want to eat? He wanted to eat whatever he wanted. Let's go. He wanted to play games. Let's go. Why? Because he got me. With his attitude, he got me. And some of you guys are here this morning. You're like, Pastor, my God, I don't even know how to give. I'm in a jam. Man, my money goes into my account and it leaves quicker than it came in. But today I want to speak to you guys and I want to tell you, for example, this is a resource that I'm going to be using during this time. Beyond Bless, Pastor Robert Morris. Pastor Robert Morris wrote this book some years ago that I used it here for a whole series called The Blessed Life. And in The Blessed Life, he talks about tithing, offering, and extravagant giving. And you know what he says in this book? You could give tithes, you could give offerings, and give extravagant giving. And if you're not a good steward, you're going to lose everything God wants to give you. So this says here, God's perfect plan to overcoming all financial stress. We have about 50 of these books that I ordered in English. And I ordered about 100 of them in Spanish. They're going to be selling it in the bookstore and there's going to be a table outside. You know what? Let's get ready. Stewardship, what do you need to do, Lord? Here I am. Work with me. I'm all in. I want to be part of what you're doing in my life. I want to ask you, church, to bow your heads this morning. Is our vision Sunday. And God has a great future for Numa Church. Great future for each of us in this place. But the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And everything else will be added on. There's a first that we got to go after. There's a first that will not compete with a second or a third or a fourth. And it's God. You and I are part of an amazing church, and I hope that I don't need to convince you of that. And we want to be about the Father's business here on earth. You are in a church with a vision, not just for now, but for future generations. And the question that I have this morning, as you have your eyes closed and heads bowed, can we walk this out together? And as your pastor... Can I count on you as this vision unfolds right in front of our eyes? And if I could count on you and say, Pastor, let's go. I'm all in. If you say, Pastor, I'm all in. I want you right there where you're at to raise your hand. If you're all in, raise your hand. Let's go. We're going after this. We're going after this. You can put your hand down. Lord, this morning as we close this amazing service, where we're talking about our vision for 2020 and beyond, Lord, I ask that we can make you first in our lives. In every decision that I make, Lord, let me honor you. And give you the place that you deserve. The place, Lord, that competes with no one else, with nothing else. 
thank you, Lord, for bringing me to be part of this church family. Thank you for bringing me, Lord, to Numa Church and allowing me, Lord, to be part of this vision. Lord, use me in whatever capacity, Lord God, you've put inside of me. Lord, I want to run. I want to fly. I want to swim. There's something you've deposited in me. Let it come out, Lord. Use me, Lord, to fulfill your purpose on earth. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you've never given God that place of first by inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that's the starting point. Your starting point is in inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died like a sinner on a cross to take your place and my place. And today, here, online, wherever you are, if you invite him in into your heart, the Bible says you become a son or daughter of God. Your sins are forgiven. And you receive the gift of eternal life. So I'm going to do a prayer right now. And if you've never done this prayer before, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are and what you want to do in my life. Today I'm hearing that you want to be first. And I give you that place right now by receiving you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Give me a purpose to live for. And take me by the hand into the arms of my Heavenly Father that I may know Him and His purpose for my life. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing and for all that you're going to do. And it's in your name that we pray. In Jesus' name. And His church says, Amen.